0: As the psalmist reminds us, he came forth from the mouth of the Most High, reaching from end to end and ordering all things mighty mighty and sweetly common. He just the the way of prudence, not the ways of the world, but the ways of the Lord, which is truth and life. Old at night, all powerful wisdom. Leader of the house of God who appeared to Moses in the of the bush who gave Moses the law on Sinai. Now as we see the world and deliberate in and Sinai, they're mocking God by having ten commandments similar to God's commandments, but worldly commandments. Come and with your outstretched arms, redeem us. O root of Jesse, who stands for ensign to the people for whom kings shall keep silence, and to whom the Gentiles shall make their supplication come. Come, O Lord, deliver us from this tyranny, and, and tarry not. O key of David and scepter the house of Israel, who opens and no one shuts, who shuts and no one opens, come and bring forth from prison the captives who sits in darkness in the shadow of death. An old day spring, Brightness of the light eternal and Son of Justice, come and enlighten those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. For O King of the Gentiles and their desired one, the cornerstone that makes both one, come and deliver us, whom you form out of the dust of the earth. We ask, O Lord, your blessings upon those who need an especial her or touch and healing. Daughter Hope and other members of our congregation as we reach out, remember Cat Crow's, we pray for others in our midst, Lord. We pray for our television audience and our radio and YouTube. We pray this morning for Robin who's
1: Here is your God. He comes with vindication, with divine recompense. He comes to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf be cleared. Then will the lame leap like a stag. Then the, the tongue of the mute will sing. Those whom the Lord has ransomed will return and enter Zion's with everlasting joy. They will meet with joy and gladness. Sorrow and mourning will flee.
2: Ah, the birth of a baby. How exciting, how wonderful, how glorious. How joyful for the parents to bring forth offspring that they can raise. In life. There's really no other way to explain a birth of a baby other than miraculous. Comes from two cells, grows up like us. But Mary and Joseph had a joy when they when they burned Jesus. But it wasn't just them too. It was not just Mary, Mary and Joseph alone. The joy that she brought forth throughout the whole world and universe. Everybody on earth then and now should partake in that joy. Enjoy that joy. That's why he came. He came for us as an entire people to bring us back to the Father God. Let's say a prayer. Jesus Christ, I want to pray right now. Everyone comes to share your joy. Not just the birth of a baby, Lord, but the birth of a Savior. Someone that brings them back to their Father God so we can live eternally in heaven with Him. It's not just, you weren't just joy for Mary and Joseph, Lord. Jesus, your joy for all who come to faith in you. For all that come to enjoy. Splendor and life that you lead and give. Not just life here on earth, Lord, the joy and life you give to us with faith extends all the way to eternity. I receive that for myself, Lord, and I pray in your holy name, Jesus Christ, that everyone comes to learn about the joy that you can bring, not only their mind, but their soul. In your holy name I pray, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: sees and establishes upon the floods, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? The one that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully, that one shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of salvation. This is a generation of them that seek him, that seek the face of the Lord our God. Now we ask the Lord your blessing upon our scripture as we delve into the topic today. Lord, we ask that you would instruct us around Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 66. Those by way of television would say, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 66, as you taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Now, if you would like to turn with, with me to Luke chapter one, verses fifty-seven through sixty-six. Take a moment. For those by way of television and radio, examine the scriptures. And um, whenever you preach on scripture, you almost have to allow five minutes per verse, and otherwise you get a little too thinned out on your scriptures. And we have a, a number of um, nine verses here that deals with an uh, important uh, situation in in the first century, um, Mary had already visited Elizabeth, and Mary had given the song of praise um, to Elizabeth, and now we encounter the birth of John, John the Baptist. So reading now from John chapter 1, John chapter 1, verses 57 and following. for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. Now, her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. I grew up in the farming community and even amidst the farming community when a a cow had a calf, it it became a a word of knowledge almost around that area. Farmers rejoiced in, in births of cattle and being a part of a small town, there was this closeness with the, the neighborhood and the neighbors. Certainly, when a child was born, there was great excitement. And now on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. This is John, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. And his mother said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, None of your relatives has this name, John. And then he began motioning to his father, who had been deaf and dumb up until this time, during his nine-month period of pregnancy, to his father to find out what means and name he wanted to give his son. And he asked for a writing tablet and he wrote, His name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue free and began to speak, praising God over all their neighbors, their neighbors, and all these things were talked about, talked about through the entire hill country of Judea. And all who heard them pondered them and said, What then, what then will this child become? For indeed the hand of the Lord, the hand of the Lord was with him. God blessed the reading and the expression of gospel.
2: Good morning, brothers and sister morning. Good morning. Mike. Elizabeth had abnormal pregnancy. When nine months came up, it was time for the pregnancy to, to expire. It was time for to bear child. But not just a child for her. It was a child for the world that helped us her in the team. But the child that she had was special. Mary was, or Elizabeth was way past childbearing age. And she shared that in common with Mary, because they both had a rather miraculous conceptions of their children. Elizabeth was barren, far beyond childbearing age, and yet she had children. She had a uh, child. All the relatives and, uh, Locals heard about the miraculous conception and congratulated both Elizabeth and Zachariah on the birth of their son. The baby had a special God-given name. It was normal for cultural, culturally normal for a, a father to name his child after him. But not Zachariah. He had an experience of the angel, and the angel told him what his name would be. Zachariah doubted the angel's words because he knew they were both past fertile age of having children. And so he was struck deaf and mute. How, how would he tell the, his wife, Elizabeth, that they were going to have a, a child, a miraculous child? He wrote it down for her so she understood exactly what had happened to him. The neighbors were so culturally expecting the newborn to be named after father. They made signs saying what his name was. Zachariah, Zachariah. they all have signs up that said his name should be Zachariah. But Zachariah grabbed his writing tablet. He wrote four words. His name is John. Immediately after doing this, and following God's instruction on giving the child's name was John, his ears were opened and his tongue was loose. Now he was able to reinforce to people verbally that the son's name was supposed to be John, and it is well he gave joy to the Lord and thanked him that all this could happen to him and his wife Elizabeth. The cousins Mary and Elizabeth were pregnant at the same time miraculously enough, he bringing it through a sort of a miraculous intervention. In our final verse, 66, people that learned of this miraculous conception not only visited her, but also asked her in, in, in um, that graph, what role John would play in God's kingdom? John would not able to fulfill God's purpose in his life for many years but he did he's a, he's a, he grew up as a baby like Val do but he was here on earth to baptize and bring forth the king he was the trumpet of the word announcing the birth of Jesus Christ he was a forerunner and an ambassador of Jesus Christ Knows the arrival of the world's Messiah, not just for Zachariah and and Elizabeth, but for the entire world. Thank you. Thank you, Mike,
0: for that tremendous background of our scripture here. We um, have in this passage the history, and whenever you look at history, it's the story of Jesus, it's his story. The of Jesus is shared by his cousin here, by John, who's a few months older than Jesus, and it deals with the birth of a very burning, burning and shining light in the church. It's a forerunner of Christ himself who brought the message of repentance and restoration to God. It was not a message of religion. It was a message of relationship, a relationship with Jesus Christ, and John the Baptist brought this. In the language, the language, can, you know, if you've studied languages, you, you're well aware of the fact which the Holy Ghost describes in the event is well, well worthy of our attention and remark. First, it's written that um, the Lord showed great mercy on Elizabeth. How much tremendous mercy this God show upon you and I, and we don't truly comprehend all the blessings and the mercies that God has given and granted unto us. And here was a lady, well into her senior years. There was mercy in bringing her safely through her time of trial and pregnancy. There was mercy in making her the, the mother. Mother of a living child. And we realize that happy, the tremendous happiness that we all gather and enjoy in family circles. And we can understand the happiness that was brought here in this family circle, whose birth is viewed to be the light, to be the light of the world and the light of life, and in and, and special. Um, instances of the mercy, the mercies of the Lord. When one comes into that relationship with Jesus Christ through repentance and God's grace, that we are saved by grace, through faith in Christ, God establishes His his mercy, His tremendous mercy on us. We see in this conduct, and I always look at the, the conduct and the behavior of people, we see in the conduct of Elizabeth Elizabeth's neighbors and cousins and all the loved ones of Christ here. We see his conduct as Elizabeth's neighbors and cousins and a striking example of the kindness we owe to one another. Can you imagine what the world would be like without kindness? Without kindness? I remember growing up and it was always something to look forward to. Christmas vacation and getting out of a around the birth of Jesus Christ and we'd have activities in the community where Santa Claus would come to town and he'd normally come on a fire truck and give out candy and how exciting that was people just from the farm and drop what they were doing and they'd come into town and streets were crowded and had to look for a parking spot to, to park and go to Olson's mercantile and harbor hangs now and we'd go there and we'd gather in the lumber Santa would come on the back of a fire truck and hand out Canada and the older I got the more I realized that I, I knew Santa or someone that kind of looked like Santa at least a couple of years and we see that in the conduct of Elizabeth neighbors you and what would our life be without godly neighbors? I remember a time growing up in the farm and the neighbors would, we would exchange gifts and exchange presents, and Carvers were always so good about giving us little books, as little books would be worth a lot, a lot of money nowadays. They're collector items. And then cousins would gather together. Uh, and a striking example of the kindness we we owe it to one another. It's written that they rejoice. They rejoice with her. And how much more happiness there would be in this evil world if conduct like that of Elizabeth relations were, were more common. I remember in one of the churches I served prior to coming here, they would sing carols around town. They would have a certain Particular evening, and they gathered around town. We never knew how many people would, would come, and the um, the local lions in the community made a number of hot um, potatoes, and they wrapped it in in um, tin foil and carried those around in our hands and our pockets, kept us warm as we were seeing Christmas girls going around town. Liz- Elizabeth wrote relations. Are very common, and you can imagine you know, the, the excitement and the stir that they witnessed in the birth of this child, John. Now sympathy is one another joys and sorrows cost little, yet is a grace of most mighty power. Like the uh, oil on the wheels of some large engine may seem a very trifling and unimportant Thing, yet in, in reality it has an immense influence on the comfort and the well working and the whole machine of society and the society that you and I live in and the society that we make of our minds and there's a word of congratulations or consolation that's seldom forgotten the heart that is warm by good tidings or, or chilled by afflictions and the hurts and the that we all experience is peculiarly susceptible on And sympathy to such a heart is often more precious than gold. The servant of Christ. We're all called to be servants of Christ. We'll do well to remember this grace. It it seems a little one, but it's a mighty one. And amidst the din of controversy and the battle about mighty doctrines, we we are sadly apt to overlook it. Yet it is one of those pins of the tabernacle which we must not leave in the wilderness. It's one of those ornaments of the Christian character which make it beautiful in the eyes of people. We all enjoy adorning and decorating the Christmas tree and, and recount memories of maybe dad and mom saying his much tinsel in that spot and too many bulbs and can you rearrange the, the tree a little bit so it's not so lopsided? Let us not forget that it's enforced upon us by this special precept. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and we are called to weep with those who weep. And it's one of those ornaments of the Christian character which makes it beautiful in our eyes and brings a sense of beauty in Spirit. The practice of it seems to bring down a special blessing, and how how we need those those special special blessings. The Jews who came to comfort Mary, who came to comfort Mary and Martha in Bethany, saw the greatest miracle that we, that Jesus ever worked. Above all, it's commended to us by the most perfect of examples. We need the examples. And that's why we have the lighting of the unity candle. It kind of represents the spirit of the season of, of hope and peace and, and joy. And as we work forward to um, the Christ candle of Jesus with the light of the world, in the essence, it brings lightness out of darkness. The practice, of, it seems, to bring down special blessings. The Jews came to um, comfort Mary and Martha and Bethany. They saw the greatest miracle that Jesus ever worked. And above all, it's commended to us by the most perfect of examples demonstrated in the region of the season. Jesus, our Lord, was ready both to go to a marriage feast and he was willing to go to Lazarus' grave to weep. And let us be ever ready to go and do likewise. We rejoice with those who rejoice, and we, we weep with those who weep. And we see this in the conduct of Zechariah. We see this in our conduct, your conduct, my conduct, the conduct from the and the conduct from the pew. In this passage, a striking example of the benefit. There is almost a benefit of affliction he resists the wishes of his relations to call his newborn son after his own name. And in that day and age it was a great honor to name your firstborn, especially the son. The son who was to carry on the name of the family. But John, Father Christ, he, he clings firmly to the name John by, by which the angel Gabriel had commanded him to be called. And he shows that that during his nine months of dumbness, unable to speak and unable to hear and talk had not been inflicted on him in vain. He is no longer faithless but believing. He now believes every word that Gabriel had spoke to him and every word every word of his message shall be obeyed. We need not doubt that the past nine months had been a most profitable time, a time of great preparation for the soul of Zechariah. He had learned probably more about his own heart. And are we, you and I, learning things about our own hearts and about God than we've ever known before? His conduct shows that correction had been proven in the order of instruction. He was ashamed, he was ashamed of his own unbelief. Like Job, he could say, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye has seen thee. Like Hezekiah, when the Lord left him, he had found out that the Lord was in his heart and was dealing with his heart. And let us take heed that affliction affliction does as good as it did to Zacharias. We cannot escape trouble in this sin, tremendous sin-laden world of so much hypocrisy. And as we learned in our, our Sunday school class today, the horrors of, of our world that we're experiencing and that we all, all experience in, in the times of tribulation and times of the coming of Christ. Man is born, as the Bible says, in trouble, as sparks fly upwards in Job chapter 5, 27. But in the time, in the time of our trouble, let us make earnest prayer, that we may hear hear the rod and who hath appointed it, that we may learn wisdom, wisdom by the rod, and not harden our hearts against God. Sanctifying affliction, says the old divine are spiritual, spiritual promotions. If we want to be promoted, we need to be aware of the Lord's work in our lives. Father, this morning, we ask the Lord that the sorrow, the sorrow that often humbles us and drives us nearer to God, is a blessing and a downright gain. No case is more hopeless than that of the person who, in time of affliction, turns their back upon God. There's an awful mark set against one of the kings of Judah in 2 Chronicles 28, 22nd verse that reminds us that in the time of his distress he did trespass yet more against the Lord. This is that King Ahas. And Father, as we close this morning, we see in, in the early history of John the Baptist the nature of the, the blessing. That we should all desire for all our young children, ourselves included. We read that the hand of the Lord was with him. Do we understand what these definitive aims suggest? The hand, the finger, and the arm of the Lord? We're not told distinctly what these words mean. But we're left to gather their meaning from the promise that went before John, before his birth and the life that John lived all his days. But we need not doubt that the hand the hand of the Lord was with John to sanctify him and renew his heart to teach and fit him for his office to strengthen him for all his work in the forerunner of the Lamb of God which we need to encourage him in all his boldness denunciation of, of human sin and prepare the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and to comfort him in his last hours when John was beheaded in prison. We know that he was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. There was no abortion in those days. There was pro-life. We need not doubt that from his earliest years the grace of the Holy Ghost appeared in his ways. That in his boyhood well as in his manhood, the constraining power of a mighty principle from above appeared in him. What power was the hand? The hand of the Lord. And this is the portion that we ought to seek for our children. It is the best portion, the happiest portion, the, the only portion that can never be lost and will endure beyond the grave. The integrity, the scripture, the tradition, the reason and experience of indwelling Holy Spirit transferred from our lives to our children and they make decisions for Christ. It's good to have over them the hand of teachers and instructors, but it's far better to have the hand of the Lord. We may be thankful if they obtain the patronage of the great hand and the great and the rich, but we ought to care far more for their obtaining the favor of God. The hand of the Lord is a thousand times better than the hand of Herod or the hand of the world or the culture. The one is weak, foolish, and uncertain. What he did for the son of Zechariah, he can do for our boys and our girls. But he waits to be entreated. He waits to be called upon. If we would have the hand of the Lord with our children, we must diligently seek it. This was in accordance with the Levitical law that the hand of God Just as the finger of God dispense God's judgment, God's great power is represented by his finger, greater by his hand, but greatest by his arm. This promotion and this production, we call out upon our mind. grace and fill me with Slow in giving to help others. In this Advent season of preparation, we ask you to help us live in a new way, to walk a new highway, to set ourselves in the path that leads us to a closer walk with Jesus, our example and Redeemer. May this be the season when he finds the highways to our hearts, prepared for his coming in the name that is above all of us is true to our offertory hymn, Lord, how a rose ever will purple number two sixteen. this flame new, that the world might be set on fire with you, with your love and compassion in Christ's name we pray.
3: this concert is going to be not about Christmas. And I just just couldn't believe it. And he he just pointed out that no songs would be sung about Christmas. And the reason, he says, is for the season, not meaning the season of Christmas or of Jesus, but the reason of um, winter. And I couldn't help but think that if we don't do this right now, we need to share Jesus and the story of his birth to other people. It's it's late. If the hour is late. We need to talk to as many people as we can and let them know what Jesus' birth means to us. Thank you. Amen. I think Christ has been taken out of Christmas. There's nowhere to be found in the world. That's why we have to share his love and share all of it. Being signed by the world. It's
2: being taken out. We should Yeah, a lot of times when I see Merry I don't see Merry Christmas very often. I say Merry Christmas. He is the reason for the season all the way. To go and serve the Lord. And serve Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.